Thanks, John. As the kids are going, uh, I, it's my pleasure to do the three-ish things this morning. Three things that we think are important for you to know. If you don't know who I am, this is not one of the three-ish things. However, if you don't know who I am, my name's Alana. I'm on staff here, and um, I would love to get to know you if we haven't met before. So let's get started. Our first thing today is about the coffee bar. Brew Life Cafe now has decaf espresso beans. So if you are not, I know, right? If you're not loving caffeinated drinks, you would love to, but still want to support the coffee bar there. We now have all the wonderful drinks available in decaf as well. And if you don't know, um, all of our proceeds, all the profits that we make from Brew Life go back down to a cool through our partnership with FH. Coffee Bar was only open for about half the year this year because of COVID restrictions, but we're still expecting to send down just a little over $2,000. So we're really excited about that for the end of the year. So that's our first thing. Number two, in just a few weeks, August 7th, we are going to have a midsummer New Life family potluck, just an old-fashioned potluck, um, nothing fancy. Everybody bring a dish to share. It's going to be after the service that Sunday morning. Out on the grass, there's going to be yard games. We have the gelato guy coming. Um, gelato is $2 a scoop, so we hope you'll enjoy that. And just come, bring a dish to share, and enjoy your New Life family. Have some fun, let the kids play, and fellowship. So that's in just a few weeks. Third thing is the last weekend, we are celebrating some baptisms. Two of our youth, uh, Seth Williams, you see him here, and Titus Kennedy, uh, which is right there, they were a part of the Camp Imidine LTP program, leadership training program, which our youth director, Alicia, was actually facilitating for the past two weeks. And last Sunday, she got to baptize them both out at camp there. And so we just want to celebrate that our youth are continuing, yes, to journey in faith. Amen. So let's be praying for them as they journey through faith now, these next steps, um, that they would grow stronger in the Lord there. Um, one last thing, uh, again, I have some more keys. I do know they belong to parents this time because they were found in the uh, kids' own check-in room. It's a Nissan this time, so if you are missing your keys, again, I'll leave them back at the sound booth. Uh, it might be a parent that's out with kids right now, so if you see somebody looking for keys after, let them know where to find them. Okay, thank you. Jillian, let's pray. So let's pray, and I'm going to um, pray something, and then there'll be space for us to bring our own prayers um, together. Okay. Father, thank you for the joy of children and for the way that um, your love is expressed through them. And thank you for the beauty of creation that is a testimony to you. And there's so many things to thank you for in our own lives and together. And we lift those things up to you now. And most of all, we thank you for the kind of love that you have for each of us. And that you sent your son to show us how much you care and love for us. 
And we pray for our world, for those in need. For those at risk. We pray for those who don't know your love and your salvation. We pray for our community both here and throughout Canada. We pray that you would transform us by the power of your spirit. We pray for those in positions of power. And Lord, we lift up our many and varied prayers to you. And for this community, we again pray for all the children and the families and each person who helped this last week at kids camp. And we name them. We pray for all those who are ill or in hospital. We pray for those who are struggling mentally. Emotionally. And financially. Spiritually. We ask for your healing and your comfort. We pray for this church for new life. We pray for new life here. And we pray for Scott as he comes to preach this morning. And we think of everyone all over the world today who are preaching. May they preach in power and in love and in conviction. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.
Thank you very much, Jillian. I appreciate you leading us in a time of prayer. Sorry, sound people. (laughs) Um, As as I kind of move things around, um, I really want to thank Leilian and John uh, for all of their effort and all of their energy that they poured into our kids' camp. And, um, you know, some have said, oh, it wasn't as big as we've had in the past. It was actually as big as we probably needed to be this year uh, as we come back together and, and, and figure out the whole volunteer thing. And, but it was a great blessing. It really was. Uh, and I appreciate all the folks that came from work to here to, uh, to, to do life with us with these kids. It was fantastic. Well, this morning, we do have a community story, and I am going to invite up um, someone who has just freshly flown in, uh, and that is Emily Newfeld. Um, yeah. <laughs> Emily is with YWAM. It's on. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. It, and so Emily, uh, Emily reached out to me and said, I am coming home, and I would love to share a little bit of my story. And I don't know if she knew how passionate I am about uh, this age group telling their story and their journey. And so it was like, no, I don't think we can do that, Emily. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we're going to make this happen. So Emily and I Zoomed a little bit and talked about what we want to talk about. We probably won't even talk about that, but I, I so enjoyed my time uh, talking with Emily and getting to know her a little bit more. And, and so, uh, Emily, let's jump right in. And if the first question is, is what have you been up to? Uh, people haven't seen you for a while, so what's been happening in your life? Yeah, so for the past nine months, I've been in Kona, Hawaii, serving with YWAM, which stands for Youth with a Mission. Um, This is a missions organization that just really focuses on empowering youth to go out to the nation, spreading the word of God, a bunch of different things that that encompasses. Um, Yeah, so I've been there serving in their gateway department is what they call it. Basically, I help bring in volunteers and staff I help them with their applications and then help them um, fit into a ministry area within our campus here at Kona or help them get into the nations. Um, I do a few other things like leading an inductive Bible study, um, which is just looking at scripture for what it is without any um, background context, just looking at what the word of God truly says and teaching um, the DTS, Discipleship Training School students, how to study the word of God. Um, And then I also get to be a part of their staff development courses, which have been absolutely amazing and are focused more on servant leadership. So that's kind of what I've been up to the past nine months over in Kona. And as we we talked, I I know that it doesn't stop there. As as you've gone back and you've been able to engage, one of the questions you've been asking the Lord is, what's next? So... What is, what is next? Is God kind of giving you a vision? Is he giving you something which you can resonates in your heart and your soul, and you say, yeah, this is where God is pointing me? Yeah, so the DTS program that I mentioned is our entry-level program, and I did my DTS in Haiti, 
Um, and through that experience, God gave me a really big passion for Haiti and um, called me to that nation and said, like, this is what I have for you. I want you to transform this nation and I want you to bring, like, my truth and um, right thinking about scripture and about who I am. Um, so that's kind of like my long-term vision is to go there, but I, yeah, I don't know, looking forward, it's really exciting and just looking at, um, all the ways that, yeah, God's just preparing me in this season and yeah, he's like spoken a lot of different things to me where, um, yeah, just like to go and to teach God's word, to get rooted in that and, um, yeah, just be able to influence the Haitian, um, people in that way. So a little bit on that lines of you really feeling God giving you a vision. Um, is that something, I don't know, maybe this isn't the right question, but is it something in which you go, oh, yeah, you know, God calling people or giving a vision, that's for older people. It's not for people, you know, younger. Uh, <laughs> how did this, a little bit, did you really feel like God was saying, yes, Emily, this is you now, this is what I want? Yeah, so with that, I think it came over time, but... Um, it really came through me learning to hear the Lord's voice, hearing to, or learning to just um, sit in the quiet with him and just um, dive into what he's saying and just be open to whatever he's speaking. Um, and a lot of that also, like, in my time in Haiti, um, just grew through, like, a passion for the people that I saw. And through that, I was like, okay, the Lord is obviously calling me to these people, obviously calling me to pour into these people and share um, his love here. Um, and yeah, just through the past couple years, I've had many different situations where I've just been praying into something completely different. And the Lord has been like, nope, this is still where I'm calling you. Like, I, I'm going to redirect your course. And um, give you further vision of what it looks like for you to serve in Haiti in the future, and um, yeah, just the ways that he's moving me towards that right now. I really, I really appreciate that that word of sitting quietly and seeking the Lord. And when we live in in an instant society, so if we want a cup of coffee, we you know we press a button, we get a cup of coffee, or you you know you pay for it out out there and you get your cup of coffee, which is make a great cup of coffee here, but. Um, you are not in Haiti right now. <laughs> you, uh, I know, I know, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you're in Hawaii, so, you know, it can't be that bad. But it can be bad because if you feel like God is saying, this, you know, this is where you're going to be, but you're not there. You could be on the most beautiful place on the planet and still not find kind of, you could, you could be anxious or you could be, you know, not. So I guess the question is, is that, you're, you're not there. What's happening? Why aren't you there? Uh, what's God doing? Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that. As you share that, it reminded me of last September when I was actually leaving here to go back to Kona. And I remember sitting to, and speaking to the Lord, and I was like, God, it would be so much easier for me to go and commit five years of my life to Haiti right now, because I know that's where you've called me, than for me to go back to Kona. And... Um, yeah, in that, in the past, like, nine months, the Lord has just really revealed that, like, this is a season of preparation where he's giving me the tools that I need to go out to Haiti and to be able to communicate his truth um, accurately, to be able to have a better foundation of who God is, who God says I am, all of these different things um, that in the long run, when I get to Haiti eventually, one day, whenever the Lord has that um, happen, um, I'll be able to see the fruit of all of these seasons of 
um, just obedience and being where the Lord has me. That is so great. Um, you know what I'm excited about, uh, Emily, is, is the amount of, pe- amount of young people here in the church recently who really feel like God is calling, God is moving, God is speaking, and God is saying, this is what, you know, what I want. And, and, and some of it has to do in the whole missions thing, which it feels like we've gone through a generation or two. We just haven't seen young people go out in missions, and, and so I'm very excited about that. And, and yet I also find that within your generation, they are, they're very focused about wanting to be Jesus to the people around them wherever they are. And so it's, it's very, very exciting. Okay, I'm going I'm to end off with five questions. I told Emily I have five questions for her. They're random questions. They mean nothing more than just we want to know a little bit more about Emily. And she has sweated more <laughs> over these five questions than actually anything else. So here we go. Are you ready, Emily? Here's the first question. And, and you have to come quickly, okay? Uh, what is your favorite animal? Elephant. Great. Fantastic. Surfing or snorkeling? Neither. Whoa. Okay, you got to find out about that, um, but not right now. Okay, what is a recent book you have read that has impacted you the most? The Epic of Eden. Which, the what? The Epic of Eden by Sandra Richter. Fantastic. Uh, next one. Um, if you couldn't be here today, where would you want to be? Haiti. Ah. <laughs> See, I told you to be here. Okay, here's the last one. If, if you could be a superhero, what would, who would they be? I don't know. I don't watch Marvel or DC. Okay. That's fine. See, there's no wrong answer. Very good. Um, I, I'm going to ask you about why snorkeling or surfing, neither one. i got to find more out about that. If you want to uh, connect with Emily, she's got these little cards here, which give you a little bit more information that you can get from her. She'll be out there, and you can talk to her uh, afterwards and know how you can support her through prayer, maybe financially if God's leading you in that way. Let me, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for Emily. I thank you for how you are speaking to her. And in that, Lord, you are challenging myself. You're challenging us uh, that we, Lord, would find ourselves sitting quietly uh, asking you, Lord, what do you, what do you want of me? And Father, as she is here to be able to enjoy some time with her family, may she find it a time of renewing, refreshing, and as she goes back, just a real sense, Lord, that you have her in the right place for the right time. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Emily. Well, that's great. Um, we are continuing to move on into our, uh, the book of 1 John. And as you know, last week, um, I kind of ran out of time. And so I just preached part of my message, and I said this week I would uh, finish my message. But, but, there's one more but. Before I do, there's one other person I want to acknowledge, and um, I saw her, Linda Corman. Corman, where are you? There she is. Linda is here today, and Linda, you have been part of this church for how many years? 39 years. Who else here has been here for 39 years? Anyone? No? 38 years, 36 years, 37, 34, 35. Oh, okay. All right. See, we got to go back a little bit because we're losing Linda. We're losing Linda. Linda is heading off to Moose Jaw 
so she sold her house. She's packing up, and uh, she's leaving next weekend. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, um, Linda, you are leaving. We are going to miss you uh, very much. So I'm going to pray for you. So come on up here. I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll, we'll move into 1 John. Does that sound good? All right. Father, I thank you for Linda. I thank you for her heart for you, her love for you, um, her love for her family. Lord, as she has sought you to where you would want her to be, um, she has felt that you have opened the door for her to go to Moose Jaw. Lord, I pray for the family that she will be with and that she will have that impact of Jesus as she moves into being with them and loving them and the family that she's leaving behind, Lord, that is hard but also the neighbors she will encounter and the church that she needs to find. Lord, you would open all these doors. And as she goes, she will go knowing that she is loved here, she is blessed, and there is always a place to call home here at New Life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, if you got your Bibles, we are in 1 John chapter 3. We're going to concentrate verses 4 to 10. Hopefully, that's my goal in the next uh, few minutes. Uh, as we work, work through our, our, our time here this morning, it is, a, it, is in, it is about us being born of God. We, you and I, who have asked Christ that to come into our life or for us to say we're going to follow him, however you want to describe that. But when we become followers of Jesus, we are born again. And as we are born again, we take on, we take on his name. We take on his name. We become his child or his children. You are a child of God, which is fantastic, which is wild, which is crazy. Just as you are a child, even though maybe your parents have passed uh, you are a child of your parents, and you have their name. And so we are with God, being born of God. And we are transformed, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this aspect of being born, about, about what it looks like for us to, to live in this life of Christ. So last week, I just want to briefly uh, bring us up to speed a little bit. Last week, we looked in verse 1, and we looked at the, the part where it says, see what great love the Father has given or lavished on us. And so we went through this whole thing about this Greek word, see, and that Greek word, see, is a word which would talk about, uh, it's like a rhetorical question of what is this or what just happened? Like when the disciples saw Jesus calm the storm and they said, what kind of man is this? And, and so it's this, this, this question of surprise of what's just taking place. And Paul, or John doesn't want us to miss the great love that Jesus has for us and, 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 and God has for us. And this love I talked about is complete. It knows no boundaries. His love knows no boundaries in your own life and in this life of this world. It is comprehensive. It's in every crook and every cranny of your life. His love will go. And the fact that it is consuming, it penetrates. There isn't a heart in this world, there isn't a heart in this world that his love cannot penetrate and will not penetrate if opened up to. And so we, we talked about this love and we, I, I, I mentioned that that love should ruin us when we, when we find ourselves 
looking at this, engaging in this love, it should ruin us. It should do something to say, wow, God knows me full well. He knows, he knows everything about me. He knows the good things and he knows the hidden things and his love is complete. His love wants to even go into the hidden things of my life that I won't, don't want anybody to see, anybody to know. And he says, I want to come and love you there and cleanse you and bring you into life, my abundant life. No one, there is no one on this earth that can love us the way God does. Zero. It's impossible. And yet he does. So as we move on, I, I, I want to pick it up in verse 4. So if you have your Bibles, uh, chapter 3, and looking at verse 4, we're going to read a few verses here. And I'm going to read, be reading it from the English Standard Version. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever practices, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does the practices of righteousness, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So I want to start off in verse 4, in this part of practicing sin. And and. And in it, it there's, these, there's these two words for sin. And one we see directly. It says sin, anyone who sins. But that word is uh, a word we could also, uh, King James will, will, will translate it as transgression. And it's this, the word that we normally use for sin. It's the word that we would say we've missed the mark. So we, we want to shoot the arrow over here, and we've missed the mark, and we've hit over here. And, and so we know we, we live this life, and we don't want to sin. And yet we do. And when we do, we miss the mark. So that's that one word, sin, missing the mark. But the other word, which is lawlessness, and, and it's a much greater, uh, harsher word because it really does mean that we're acting as if the law does not exist. And really what we're saying is we do not believe that there is a God. So anyone who is sinning, sin is really saying will we'll lead to lawlessness. And it's true. But we have to be careful. We have to be cautious. That's what John is doing. He's cautioning us of how we're living our life. And if you and I will continue to miss the mark and we continue to purposely miss the mark and not live the way that we should, we can find ourselves coming to a place that the only way we can live with ourselves is to, to say that there is no God. But if we 
fall under the conviction of sin and we come to a place of repentance, we, we don't walk away from law, the law of God. We don't walk away from what righteousness is. We walk into righteousness. In my experience, I have seen, I've seen even with family members who once said, I walk with God, once who said, I believe in God, and yet found themselves in a place of sinning. And in that, they come to the place where they say, I do not believe. John is warning us, he is telling us, he is wanting us to understand that we are not to walk in sin. You look at verse 7, and it talks in there about being led astray. The devil wants us to be led astray. He wants us to go in another direction. He doesn't want us to walk with God. And that's why we're going to talk today about practicing righteousness, and not in a religious way, and I'll, I'll try to dive into that a little bit more, but the part of practicing righteousness, because if we don't practice righteousness, we're going to practice sin. It's a purposeful thing in which we engage in. But if we don't engage in the right thing, we'll be led astray. And we will practice lawlessness. We will come to a place and we will say, I don't believe. So our sin matters. It isn't like, oh yeah, Jesus will forgive me. No, yeah, he will, but no, it, it can't be that flippant. We can't just go, oh yeah, he'll forgive me. It affects us. And John is trying to see, have us see that sin affects us. Something happens when we sin. It will lead us somewhere. And he's warning. And, and we can be led astray. And he is warning. Let us not be led astray. So we come to this part in, in in verse 6, and we'll look at this again. And he says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So we abide in him. When we abide in him, we are transformed. Being, being, abiding in him means that you and I are transformed. There's a transforming that takes place. That's probably better. Let me back up and say that again. It's not that you have, truly, when, when we say yes to Jesus, there is, a, there is a transformation that takes place, but it doesn't stop there. It can't stop there. There is a transforming that happens. You and I need to enter in and continually be transformed. Not a one-time thing, but a continual thing. And, and that's abiding. That's what it means to abide. You, 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 as Emily was talking, you sit with God. You abide with him. And as you abide with him, there's a transforming that takes place. And I think, as I mentioned before, uh, there are times where we have said, you know, and I, I said it today, we ask Jesus into our life, which is true, but he's inviting us to follow him. And following him means that we are, we are not going to follow our own ways. 
and that I'm not going to give myself permission to live my old life, but I want to live his life. So N.T. Wright talks about this in the way of it's a, it's a settled habit of life in which sin is no longer setting the tone. When we're abiding in him, sin no longer sets the tone in our life. So when I follow Jesus, it's like I've picked up a new instrument. Now, I've tried to, uh, I told John, John John's a, and, and, and Andrew, they, they both are professional drummers. And I tried to drum. I did. My aunt, man, she worked with me really hard. But something happens when you tell two hands and two feet to play some instruments. And it just doesn't happen. And, and a guitar does, but... I've tried. Here's my point, is that when we, when, we, when we come into following Jesus, it's like we pick up an instrument, a way of life, a way of living. And there are times that our fingers may slip as we play that instrument. But if they slip, we don't set that instrument aside and pick up another instrument. No, we, we keep practicing that instrument so that we we won't come to a place where we won't make that same mistake. So we come to, to the verse 7, and, and, and we come to this place of practicing righteousness. Some of your versions may say, the one who, who does what is right is righteous. The one who does. This part of does is, it can be translated practice. Practicing righteousness. And I don't think that that, that following Jesus and practicing righteousness is a religious thing that we do. It, it's, it's not that. Practicing righteousness is not earning righteousness. So I'm not practicing so that I will earn my righteousness. I'm practicing so that, as I put up here, so that I'm living out what, is our, what I've already received. I'm living out what I've already received. It's not rules and regulations. Now, I hope some of you have these practices. You make your bed each day. You should make your bed each day. It is a good practice to get into. Uh, you brush your teeth at least once a day. I brush my teeth once a day. You, you know, you can, Steve, you can talk to me about that later. Um, I bathe regularly, try to every day. These are regular practices. These are regular habits that we get into. And, and we need these regular habits. Why? Because they're good for us. They're good to have these habits that we practice. And, and so it is with our righteousness. We need to practice righteousness. And, 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 and here's what I mean. Practicing our righteousness is practicing things like Sabbath. Prayer, fasting, silence, solitude. It's these practices. Just like I brush my teeth for a reason. Because Steve tells me it will help prevent cavities. 
And so I brush my teeth. And I want to tell you, when we practice spending time in the presence of God, it is a transforming power that takes place in our lives. It transforms us. You come each Sunday, and that is a practice of your spiritual life. But I think sometimes what we've done is we've left the, that's where we leave practicing Jesus is right here. But it's every day that we practice. That's what it means, practicing righteousness. It, it is like this. Um, I like the Chicago Cubs. Uh, they're my favorite baseball team. I love underdogs. They will win the pennant every 108 years. I'll be long gone next time they, they win the World Series. Uh, but I like the Chicago Cubs. And let's just say that they, they signed me uh, to be a player on the Chicago Cubs. Um, that would be a, a tremendous feat. I would love that. That would be my dream. Uh, and I get signed for the Chicago Cubs, and they give me a uniform, I get a little bear on my chest. It's so cute. I, I, get a, you know, I get a hat. I get a glove. I get a bat. You know, I get some bats. And then I show up and I play games. And I would tell you that it won't go that way. I can't just, just because they signed me, just because they signed me up, I signed on the dotted line that I am now a Chicago Cubs, I can't just show up to the games and play. It doesn't work that way. I have to continue to practice. I got to do hitting practice. I got to do uh, receiving the ball. I got to throwing. I got to. I, I got to study the game. I make a study of it. Andrew's up here and he plays and they practice and he practices before he practices and he never stops practicing because he wants to be. He wants to be a good musician. And so you and I need to practice righteousness. We have it. Now we get to do it. And here's the other part, is that we're not alone. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. I don't know how many of you have uh, perhaps read the book Outliners uh, by Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, no? Yeah. It's a good book. It's an interesting book. He has uh, taken the, the, uh, the, the, the theory of 10,000 hours. Maybe you've heard the 10,000 hours theory. The, the, the theory goes like this. If you do something for 10,000 hours, you will become a mastery of it. So you can think in your life how many hours you have done something and go, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe I, I got mastery in that. But... I dug a little deeper into this, this survey or this paper that was written about the 10,000 hours, and there's something else that's added in there that they say that actually will make a, the biggest difference. It's not just practicing something for 10,000 hours, but it's practicing it with, with someone who is above you, who knows more than you. So it's like me and the Chicago Cubs and I'm getting up there and I'm practicing my batting and I'm up there and I'm standing there and the, and the coach says, no, you know, get the elbow up. You know, squat a little. Keep your head turned this way. And they're, they're correcting me so that I am going to have the right swing for who I am. And the Holy Spirit, we're told in John 14, 26, 
that the Holy Spirit comes to be our teacher and it's gonna teach us all things. It's gonna teach us everything that Jesus has taught and said and done. And as we practice, we have the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us in our practice in the Holy Spirit, in God, practicing righteousness. We're going to dive into this whole thing more in the fall. I am convinced that we need to do this as a church. We need to understand what it means to practice things like the Sabbath and slowing down and simplicity and fasting and prayer. And how we do that as a community. It, we, it's going to transform us. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. But I believe it's necessary for us to grow and be prepared for what God has for us next. So this morning... What I want us to do is we're going to, uh, as we normally do, uh, we, we have a time where we uh, take communion. And it's on the side, as we call it, small communion. Um, but this is what I want us to do. As, as Andrew and the band will come a little bit later here and lead us in a song, I want you to ask yourself the question, and it's this, am I, am I practicing or where can I find that I need to practice my righteousness? Am I even conscious of that? Even considered that? Where is it that you are finding yourself where sin is lingering, where you've allowed it to linger, to stay, where you haven't repented, haven't addressed it, haven't brought it out to the light. This isn't about guilt. It's about what the Holy Spirit does and teaches and reveals. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close us in prayer as we have done at different times, where we pause quietly and ask the Lord. And then as we sing, if, if you want to come and take communion and celebrate the victories, we didn't even get to that part in there. You know, Jesus came and he, he, he dealt with, he destroyed sin. And we can claim victory then we come and we can take communion and claim victory. Where you need to come and just say, I'm coming because I, I want to take communion just to say, Lord, you are my victor. You are my righteousness. Then we get to do that. But let me close in prayer. And we'll sit quietly and then we'll sing a song together. So join me as we just contemplate before the Lord this morning.
Father, earlier we sang that song where it's expressed, Lord, I need you. Lord, we do need you. It's beyond every hour. Lord, it's every minute. It's every second. Every time my heart beats or I take a breath that I need you. Lord, we praise and thank you that there is victory because Jesus destroyed sin. And that we would find ourselves desiring, longing for your righteousness to be manifested, to be brought forth, to to be made alive in us more and more each day. God, forgive us where we have settled on not the best. Lord, forgive us where we have been led astray. But today, Lord, we claim victory in Jesus. We thank you for your righteousness. And that, Lord, we can practice that righteousness. And how beautiful it is when we do. Lead us, Lord Jesus. Amen.